Acts 16, verses 13 and 14 declare this. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to a woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Tyra named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Just before Christmas, I had one of those wonderful things. Ange and I, we've been out for a wonderful day out. Turn your phone off. Get away from the kids. Let's have a bit of a day to ourselves. We got back, got out of the car. Everything's wonderful. We're all having a wonderful moment. We've skipped through the tulips. I've looked in your eyes. We've done all the stuff that we needed to do. Next morning, I go back to my car and I open my car. And you know when you're a bit blank for a moment and your response is, Ange, you scruffy tramp, is the term that instantly pops into my head. If you've been in my car, my car has very little out of place. Ange goes, I have the kids. I have Ruby. So these drinks, bottles, and crisps in the seats, and this stuff under the, you know what it's like. The kids have been in. I'm having, granddad, can I have something in your car? No. Can I have a drink? No. Can I have some chocolate? No. Nothing goes in my car. And everything was in my car. There was rubbish everywhere. There was stuff. And for a moment, I'd been with this beautiful lady the day before. I thought, when did you mess my car up? Everything was out. Glove box out. The center console was out. Everything. Then my brain starts to register your car might have been ransacked. Ah, right. And then, Ange, why didn't you lock the car door? Thinking, Ange, because I always, hey, my car's always locked. It's always fine. So Ange must have left her door open. So I now pay the penalty for the door not being locked properly because when somebody ransacked, it's amazing, nobody wanted any of my 80s CDs. My back catalogue, nobody wants it. I haven't a clue why. But they didn't want any of that stuff. But someone nicked me sat-nav. Now I go, it's your own fault because you should never have left, left your sat-nav in there in the first place. So Ange owes me a sat-nav because she left her door open was my thought process. But never mind, you're a Burke for leaving it in the car and for not locking it. That was how the story went. The following week, Ange doing her, I'm in the playground, I'm talking to mums and doing different bits. Somebody who just lives up from us is telling the story how their car was broken into in their fenced area. And so she said, I haven't a clue why, because it was all locked, central locking, all the bit, reported it to the police, and the police said, ah, there's some guys in the area who are using an electronic device that can disarm your car's security system, it taps into the frequency of your car and immobilizes it. So Ange got let off for leaving the car door open. But this was the process. They said there is a piece of technical wizardry that can do one of two things. Block the signal as you try to lock if they're close enough or capture the frequency at what you're transmitting. 
it then will hold that and they can use that to open cars who were set on that frequency. Now, that's not to scare you. Just don't leave your sat-nav in the car. No one ever goes in Angie's car because you've got to have a tetanus to get in and to get out. So she's fine. She could leave the crown jewels on her dashboard. No one's going in. You wipe your feet on the way out of getting out of Angie's car, not on the way in. But my car had been ransacked. Now, let's put these two things together. The Lord opened the heart of Lydia to respond to the message of Paul. My car opens and closes, it is secure because a frequency is sent out. When you and I came to Christ, at that moment of salvation, he started to build inside of us a frequency that learned to respond to him. Well, some, some are saved, some are not. On the inside of you, there is a frequency that when God starts to speak, he sets the beginning of something on the inside of you. That frequency is set in place. It's not me. I'll just use my device there, turn it off. Block the frequency. Now let's just see something for a moment. If you take the confession of Peter to Christ, when Christ has said to him and asked the question, who do the people say I am? Some say a teacher, some say a prophet, some say a man in Israel. Who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the response from Christ was, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. The frequency came to him that allowed him to see something different. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that spiritual things can only be understood or discerned by the spiritual man. It doesn't matter how clever I am. It doesn't matter what Mensa said and what I've got on my Mensa certificate. Unless the revelation of the Holy Ghost comes, I don't understand the things of God. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.23 that when the message is preached, it's foolishness to some and a stumbling block to others. Aren't you glad that when you came to Christ, he started to establish something in you once and for all? We came to Christ through faith and grace. It is the gift of God. No, I didn't even deserve it. He put his hand on me and I was able to hear in a moment. I got a moment of clarity. I got a moment of sanity and I was able to respond to the message that came out into my own life. So let's start to change tune. In Mark 8, 22 to 25, it says this. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He touched the blind man by the hand and led him outside of the village. When he spat on the man's eyes, not very health and safety this one, is it? Not too good. He wouldn't pass much muster on this one. He spits on the man's eyes. He says, do you see anything? He looks up and said, I see people like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then the eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. I would put this to you this morning, that for many of us, we come to church, we come to Christ, and we settle for a moment when we saw more than what we did before. We still don't see with clarity. We don't live as Christians with clarity. We just see something and we follow this basic rule. In the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So I now understand a bit more than I did before, so that must make things all right. Now it's up to you 
What level do you want to settle for? Do you want to settle for seeing and hearing with clarity? Or are you happy enough just to see, I see a little bit? Just try it. Just squint for a moment. Close your eyes so you can see just a little bit of light and you can push it out. Now, Ange, if she had her moment, because I've told you about her car, she'd tell you about, oh, do you remember the time, Phil, when you took the kids swimming? Let you know, outside of this, there is not 20-20 vision. There is 20-20 vision, not 20-20. 20-20, not 20-20. Okay, so we all know where we go. You wear glasses, not too good, you look all right. Not too good, you look all right. Went swimming with the kids, swimming about there, and I'm giving this kid some grief. Joel, do as you're told. Get over here. Stop messing about with your brother. Blah, blah, blah. When Joel taps me on the shoulder, Dad, why have you got that kid crying? Why are you shouting at some stranger in the swimming baths? Because there is a moment of, that's all right, not too good. That's all right, not too good. But when we're in our spiritual lives, how often we walk around like that and go, it's better than nothing. Because seeing something moving around is better than not seeing anything. But you know what? That is not our portion. That is not our portion. Our portion is to see and hear clearly. Long ago, in a land far, far away, when I was younger, we used to be in a church in Burnage. And in those days, we used to have at times, we'll say, We'll have a bit of a get-together, a bit of a youth night. We'll do something. We'll have a bit of fun. Now, I'll look at the boys here, those who have experienced the same thing, and I will use a term, and maybe by their faces, they will see whether or not they responded or they were on the receiving end of, are you there, brother? David's laughing. David was on the end of, you're are you there, brother? What they would do is get two individuals, and they would put you on your knees, and they would blindfold you, okay, so they would blindfold you and then give you in your right hand, your strongest hand, a rolled up newspaper. And the rolled up newspaper was, I would say, are you there, brother? And you go, I'm here. And then it was his turn to say, are you there, brother? I'm here. And the idea was to follow the sound. And when you think you got close enough, you gave somebody a right good rattle with your rolled up newspaper. Now, when you've had a whack attack and you've had it round your nose, in your eye, round your teeth, your lips split, it's great because you've had it once or twice and you think, I'm getting my own back. He's blooming getting this. And you're ready, you've got your mad up, it's all going. But what you didn't realise, because we came from a twisted church, was in that twisted environment, after playing for about 30 seconds, they would take the blindfold off one other person. So one of the people wasn't handicapped at all, so they would just walk around and go, are you there, brother? I'm over here. Walk around the back of you, give you a rattle around the ear, do all of the stuff. When you don't, why? Because we're twisted. We're men. We're men. Men do these kind of things. It's a game. It's, it's all like having a Chinese bird. It's all part of the adventure. But you know, if you don't hear with clarity in that environment, there's consequences. There was consequences of you going in the wrong direction. Because if I hear you coming, I maybe can block something didn't hear you coming, I'm getting it full on. Now, it didn't help when the other person wasn't blindfolded, but hey, the same rules apply. We must hear with clarity. So question, do you hear clearly? If not, why not? I'll go quietly. 
the frequency, as I said, begins to be set in you at your salvation. Now, I'm not a technophobe, but I'm also not the smartest knife in the box where all of technology comes from. But I know this. My digital radio, my skybox, or freeview needs to be occasionally retuned so that it will give me clarity and definition. I'll turn on my skybox and it'll go, we've been doing a, an update and a retune in the background. It'll tell you on your digital radio, it said, this is no longer found on this frequency. Retune by just pressing this button and it'll find the signal to find that clarity. You and I must be found in that position every single day. The frequency needs to be set in you and you need to be set in the frequency. Quick illustration. Anybody ever had a heavy cold? Have you been on a flight or been swimming and you get that dodgy ear where you just go deaf for a bit? You kind of, it's all a bit muffled, it's all a bit nuts. You hear most things, but there's certain things that drop out. And there are always the bits that you say the other person never said it, but things are dropping out, but never mind. And you concentrate a bit more to try and make sure that you don't miss anything. Now, kids of today do not know they're alive. They have never been in the caravan holding a TV aerial up, trying to find BBC Wales, and you're doing one of that. There's nothing on, but you're trying to find it. Remember the old days with me dad trying to get the horizontal on the telly, giving it a bang on the top from Radio Rentals. Showing you 50 pence in the meter. All the signal was there, and it'd be a bit frosty. A bit. See, we're now, we're used to living in a land of HD. High definition. You can see the dandruff on an ant on a David Attenborough film from a quarter of a mile away. You can just see it. We've got that kind of stuff. Then we go back a few years when everything was a little bit like that, and we thought that was the best thing we'd ever seen. Did we not? But this whole thing of, like we said, whether it's the cold or the flight or the swimming, we've got this environment of living in something that's a bit muffled. Now, the scripture declares this in Ephesians 5 and 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead, real definition, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. It is not a one-off experience. It's a continual process of redefining clarity and bringing you back on the page. It's not a once and for all experience. We don't need a digital radio kind of setup where I started and I understood this, but as the older I get, I seem to get less and less and less because I'm losing channels continually. We need to have it continually built into our lives. So the Holy Ghost refines us and tunes us through our reading of the word, through our prayer, through our worship, through our fellowship, through our followership, through our relationships we share with each other. He's building and tuning us and defining something in us continually. Now, if you're smart, which you are, I'm looking at some smart people this morning, not smart, smart, not smart, smart. Maybe you would ask the question, what's working for Alpha and Irene? How did they overcome their challenges? Do you ask me, or do you go and ask Ralph and Irene? 
go and ask Ralph and Irene. The basic principles is don't sit there and go, look at them. Who do you think they are this morning? Share a testimony. Our life's wonderful. How they're skipping through the raindrops. How it's all wonderful for them. They send a rainbow on everything. Go and ask them. For what God did for them, he can also do for you. But not only does God do for them, he does for you. The word was, and the lives they started to share with other people. What did Ralph say? No man's an island. If you just set yourself apart and think you're going to fix lives, you'll fix lives. Great. All the best to you. Go and fix lives. But when you realize that you've not got the answer to everything, and I'm better with other people in it, things will change. Oh, right. <laughs> Do we need convincing on that one? Things will change. I have to build lives. I'm better for being with you, and you're better for being with me. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 4 and 13, it says this. It is written, I believed and therefore I have spoke. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. As the clarity starts to come in my life, as that clarity is being established on the inside, as he's fine-tuning me, I hear from the Holy Ghost. As I hear from him, I start to speak it out. In speaking it out, I'm sowing again what he's saying. As he's sowing again, faith is birthed. And as faith is birthed, I hear my own words about what God is saying. And the whole cycle continues round and round and round and gathers momentum. It gets bigger and bigger continually. But if I don't find myself walking with him, growing with him, being established in him, that process is never found in my life. I go back to, I've got muffled hearing, I've got muffled sight. Ezekiel 37 Verses 4 to 10 declares this. Then he said to me, prophesy to these dry bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord, says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come back to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. There has to be a coming together. When the word is spoken, when the word goes out, something needs to change. Something needs to change. But was it God who was doing the changing? Who was commanded to speak? When we commanded and we speak and we respond to what he is saying... Things must come into alignment. I said things must come into alignment. We've been, so far we've had a cold. We've been on an aeroplane. We've had swimmers here. Anybody ever had a bad back? You've had a moment where your back's gone. You've got out of a chair. You know you've got older and you've picked the pen up. You've scratched your nose. You've done something. You go... I don't know what I just did, but now things don't work. Is that, has, has anybody ever been there? 
I was there a couple of weeks ago. It just went for no reason at all. Something just popped out of place. So what is your response when something pops out of place? Don't touch me. Don't look at me. Don't breathe on me. Leave me alone. Don't try and help me out of the chair. Don't try and put me shoes on. Don't try and do anything. Just leave me alone. You just have that moment. Just close your eyes for a moment and just think last time you stood up and you had that twinge. It happened to me, like I said, it was just before Christmas. I was in the office and something just went and I came out the loo and something just I went down a step. We have a small step in our office. I stepped down and in that one small step, worlds changed. There was some kind of cosmic collision that happened and it went from, anyway, Kevin, you're... And I'm stood staring into the great beyond, the back pressed against the wall, eyes like saucers, with Kev going, what were you? I don't know. Well, do you want to brew or not? Just leave me alone. What do you mean leave you? From being, yeah, and the world's doing this. But don't touch me, leave me alone. <coughs> At these times, you may or may not use the services of a chiropractor. Now, in that process of chiropractors, there is that pushing and pulling, that twisting, all the bit of, I want to be better, but I don't want to go through process to be better. Can we not have something where you come in and go abracadabra, I can, you switch me 20 quid and I'm all right, rather than you putting your hands on me in any way, shape or form. Pastor Tony and I were in Birmingham a few weeks ago with some of the guys from Isaac. They had uh, a thing down there, a prophetic conference. <coughs> and I said to Pastor Tony there, I was in the worship, and when I was in the worship, I heard bones cracking. <coughs> now, they weren't my bones, so that was all right. Nothing was being broken. I heard literally things coming together. Now, if we had a different moment, and I could guarantee it was going to work, I'll give you a great illustration. The great illustration was this is that if I get somebody out who maybe isn't as tall as me, so that you've got to be anybody just below six foot two, anybody here, and I get you to fold your arms across your body, I will then get you by the elbows, pick you up, and shake you. If I shake you, your spine will be realigned. Try it when you go. Try it. Try it on the dogs. Anything. Just do something, and you will hear that clicking noise. Have you ever had that moment where you turn quickly and you, you get that crunch? That is what I heard, the bone to bone starting to come together. And I saw the Holy Ghost almost as a chiropractor pulling joints, fingers that were dislocated, being pulled back into alignment. That God was saying, it's time for me to put some things back in place. Now, when I hurt my thigh and I ripped the muscle off my thigh, and I went to see my physio, and she said, one word for your son, one word, and one word only. Man up, because this is not going to be good. So you better man up. So when I cried for a bit, 
literally, you cried for a bit. And then I had that delight. Because remember the lady I told you about before, the one I've done life with for a long time, the one with the dirty car that's like a skit but it's inside out? Yeah, that one. I had to have her partner with me. And what it was was, I've got a poorly leg. They said, you have to carry on doing this. Now, Anne is the best carer I have ever met. Ever met in the world. Anne loves everybody. Anne will care and do anything for you. She'll meet with you. She'll talk with you. She'll get your shopping. She'll look after your kids. She'll do everything. Anybody who knows Anne will know Anne is a walking, talking angel. Unless you're me. Then if you're me... Then if you're me, if I said, oh, Ange, I've had a real, oh, my back's all funny, will you give it a rub? Well, you give it up your own back. <laughs> no, will you? Rub your own back, you've got arms. God give you arms, didn't he? You know, because I'm sure, ladies, you, you never, ever get into this kind of, just letting you know it just happens in my head. Just go on, Ange, just put your shoulders up, your neck's a bit, get off me, I'm going to sleep, get off me. When, when, I said to Ange how much pain I'd been in and that the woman said I had to man up and that by pressing this muscle I nearly jumped through the ceiling. I somehow had a volunteer. <laughs> I had a volunteer of going, can I help? As I roll my sleeves up. So she's rolling her sleeves. I'm taking my goat off for this one. And this was tears of joy and delight running down her face, not mine, as I was screaming like a banshee, biting the cushion on the sofa while she's got her elbow in me thigh going, so what kind of day did you have? <laughs> I came out of the other side, and I can assure you my thigh is healthier now, for her or without her. My thigh is better. But I did not want the process or enjoy the process of things being put back together again. In this whole thing of seeing things, being allegedly creative, as I can be at times, I see I have a tendency to see things in pictures. I don't really do words that well, but I do pictures, so I, I see things. And this picture that I started to see was the elephant man, John Merrick. And he was twisted and pulled, but he had a glorious, beautiful head. And what the Holy Ghost started to say to me was, there is no problem with the head. Christ the head, this is perfect. It's wonderful. But the body, my body, his body, is still out of alignment. And the Holy Ghost needs to put his hand on it and cause bone to come to bone, sinew to come to sinew. I need to cover it. And then I need to put my breath inside of it so that it will rise to be a strong and mighty army that are forceful for him and not just something that people look at and go, look at them bunch of weirdos. There is something there where maybe for so long we've been the obstacle that people have looked at and in wonderment. What happens in church? Why are they a bit freaky? What's he done that for? Why is he the strange one? Anne just met somebody that she started um, speaking to at school. One of the moms, they just triggered something off. And Anne just started talking to her. And she started talking about church. And she said, you can't be one of them people that goes to church. Why? Because you're not a weirdo freako. 
Now, ask when was the last time she went to church. She's not been to church for years and years and years. But the understanding was, if you come to church, you're some kind of misfit. You're kind of somebody that they try and move out of the way at the weekends. At weekends, keep them behind locked doors because we don't want them where the rest of the population is. Just keep them somewhere. You and I carry life. We carry answers. We're able to deal with conflict. We're able to deal with challenges. We have so many answers. We have things to put right in the life of others because our own lives have been sorted out. Three, four of you. Our own lives have been sorted out, so we've got examples to work with. But these bones need to come together, bone to bone. You know, some of the smallest bones you have in your body are in your ear. Now, I could try and say I'm smart and say, and the Latin for this would be El Clomicus Iriacus on an abacus around a scalecticus. But I don't, so I'll give you what the English is. The hammer and the anvil. These two tiny bones that are in your ear are what are able to distinguish vibrations and sound and then help your brain to bring understanding so that we can hear and understand what's coming into our ears. Yes? You know, we do everything we can do to make sure that we do not lose one of our key senses. So we have hearing aids. Back a few years, you had a trumpet. If you was my gran, you just used to shout a lot. But there is something we go, this is a key, key sense to us that we give very little credence to until it's gone. And then when it's gone, we do everything we can to try and get it back. So we said hearing aids, trumpet, shouting. My mom, years ago, when I was a kid, had groundbreaking surgery to deal with these tiny bones. Because these tiny bones not only caused her to be partially deaf, but also threw her balance out. So her balance was thrown out all because of the way these bones were not set up right in her ear. So they did something with it to try and fine-tune it to, one, give her balance, so she didn't give her the old, I've had six pints. Because she'd walk down the street and look like she'd had a good night in Yeti. She'd be there. That was balanced, and she couldn't hear properly. Now, here's one of those things that I'm glad they're out of the room because they'd use it as a stick to, bite, uh, to beat you with. But younger people have better hearing than you. There's revelation for you. Younger people have a greater spectrum of hearing than you and I do. It doesn't mean they do anything with what they hear. It doesn't mean that they don't do that bit of, you know when our dams are very good at this, selective hearing, where everything's white noise until you shout it's time for dinner, seems to hear that, but anything else like clean your room, put stuff away, all that gets lost. Be home for 10 o'clock. Oh, I didn't hear that. No. It's hear everything. Like you said, I could have a fiver. They hear everything. You know, it's very selective in that hearing process, isn't it? But for you and I, our hearing starts to be different. Now, it's not a clarity of hearing. It's the bandwidth of that hearing. Now, here's a bit of a test for you to see whether or not you're going to admit it. Been in the car, you're there, and you hear the siren going from an ambulance, a police car, a fire engine. And the first thing you go is, where's that? Where is it? And you fall into full-on meerkat moment. Everything's going, can I go, can't I go, shall I go, shall I turn right, left, what we do, shall I pull over? Everything's going, 
because as you get older, you lose the ability to discern what direction sound is coming at. So I'm glad sound comes with blue flashing lights because that helps us to be able to distinguish that. Also, depending if you're going to be honest this morning, background noise causes things to drop out. So if other stuff's going on before, it used to be everything. You could have your earphones on, you could be juggling, you could be doing brain surgery, whatever. It didn't make any difference. But now, you have a bit of three people are talking over there and I'm, I'm having a conversation and I'm either getting a bit closer or I'm staring at your lips to see whether or not you can pronounce your words correctly. To see whether or not I can read your words to make sure nothing drops off. Have you seen how crazy life is? With the kids, we tell them, turn that down, you go deaf. Turn it down, you're going to go deaf. And as we get older, we spend our life turning it up. <laughs> Isn't that a bit of a paradox? Turn it down. As soon as we get older, turn it up. It works on that crazy bit. But like we said, sound becomes muffled. A simple, simple exercise you can do yourself. Press your own hands against your ear so you trap it. And just say something like, happy birthday, Phil. How are you doing? Do you want a fiver? Do anything like that. And then just hear how all your sound becomes muffled. Again, seeing and hearing in that spiritual context of what God is doing on the inside, that is not our portion. For you and I, we should hear with clarity. He speaks. I don't have to fight it. I understand and know it, and I can move towards it. I hear his voice. You do, and I do. It's part and parcel of what we have. The scripture declares this, that we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Let you into a little secret. Secret goes like this, because I've been around long enough. He never really takes me by surprise. He comes the same way, the same time, every time. Like, he's like Christmas. Uh, Father Christmas, Tony said there. He'll come the same way. It doesn't take me by surprise. He will know what are my trigger points. He will know what's the access point. He will know exactly what button to press just to make sure to get the right response. Is that just me or is that you? You know, again, I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'll just make somebody up. Oh, I can't resist a good crazy. Do you know what? If we go out for a beer, I can't just stop at once. I'm in now. I'm out for the night. We'll get all of this kind of stuff. Each one of us will have a trigger that just let her open her door. Just let her open her. I'm ready. I'm ready. She's going to get it. He's going to get it. We've all got buttons that are pressed, things that we like, that when he comes, he'll go, I'll just wait because you're going to fall over the same way, the same time, time after time. So something needs to come to an end. But the first indication that we have from Scripture of Satan's interaction with people and pressing the right button was him in the Garden of Eden and speaking to Eve. And the first correspondence was, did God say? Now, here's the thing. If you do not have clarity in your own life with what you hear, what you see, how you draw from him, how you grow, how you build things in your own life, when something comes to challenge that situation, the first thing you do is go straight onto your back foot. 
I'm now unsure. Because I've got a moment of, did, did God say? Did he say? So when he said he'll protect me, when he said he'll keep me, when he said my family's going to come through, when the words have been spoken, I've held on to them, I've built them in my life, I'm pushing towards something. If I don't see that established in that core frequency of what I am, as soon as it's challenged, I'll be pushed back. It's amazing how so many of us are able to believe God for this, but I can never move to that. He can keep me, he can heal me, he can transform me, he can save me family, but he can't provide for me. Or he can provide for me, but my kids can never come through. My kids can never come through, but my husband or my wife will never come through. There's always balances that we come off. But when God says, this is my word, you can take it to the bank. It's, to the bank. it's been established on the inside of me. It's been built and established. Then it comes with, did God say, where do I stand? I heard and therefore I spoke. And with that speaking, I produce faith and I sow again. All of that process has to come in. But if I do not hear first time with clarity, I'm always waiting to be convinced. Are we continually waiting to be convinced? Or because I know his voice and I will not follow another, I will not follow a stranger, am I willing to go, he has said that, I've believed it, now I'm going to work this out. I'm going to work it out in my life. Just give me a moment just for have a rabbit trail, I was thinking, as I was putting this note down. Eve, when she was in the garden, didn't fall through any area of lack. There was no area of lack in Eve's life that caused her to fall. What caused Eve to fall was dissatisfaction. I'm allowed everything in this garden. It's all made for me. God has given me all of this provision apart from that. You can have everything apart from that. And then I look at everything and say that my everything is not enough. Because I'm willing to lose my everything for that. A dissatisfaction that comes into your life. Do you know, for many of us, we'll face different things in life as we progress and as we grow. But there's one term that everybody would have heard of or you will have had experience in somewhere along your life. The grass is not always greener on the other side. And if it is greener, it still needs cutting. It still needs cutting. But I become dissatisfied in so many things. I look, somebody else's wife, somebody else's husband, somebody else's finance, somebody else's house, somebody else's car. Somebody else has always seemed to got the world. And what have I got? And I ignore this 95% of blessing in my life and look at the 5% that they've worked on differently to me. I begrudge it and say, why can't I have that? And I neglect all of this. I poo-poo it, push it to one side and chase the thing that I've not got. And there's lots of ways of describing that. We can say, oh, it's middle-age crisis. Look at him. He's just been and bought a sports car. He's done this. He's, done. He's trying to find the missing bit. All of this is elements of dissatisfaction that you and I have to come to terms with and say, I will not stay there. See, envy is one of those things. It's an envious desire to cover, an envious desire to possess something or someone. And we get into that process of, do you know what? I can live in fantasy land. The secretary, the postman, the milkman. Somebody, I can live in this fantasy land all inside my world, 
But do you know that when you was with the other person, when something's still not right, you still need to maintain relationship, you still need to pay your bills, you still need to go, if you're a Burke, don't be one. You still need to work on your personality. You still need to learn to be generous. You still need to learn to give a massage when it's needed. You still need to do many small things that cause relationships to work in different ways. We build all those things into our life. But we get lost so much into everybody else seems to be better than me. And why can't my life be like theirs? Your life is your life. And in that, some people, yes, had a better start in life than you did. Can I just tell you something? So what? Get over it. Get on with it. Well, somebody was, somebody was given a nest egg when they started. Do you know, it took me five years to save for my house, but Billy's friends down the street, his mum and dad left him the right little nest egg, and they started saving up when he was born, and they, he got his first house paid for. So what? Get on with it. We have to see things change. That clarity has to become what's part and parcel of everything we are. Ralph and Irene again said something very key this morning. They said, we thank God for the people that's come alongside of us and spoken into our lives. Not just modeled. Sometimes you can model, but sometimes you bring wisdom one-on-one. You're sharing life together. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says this, and we also thank God continually Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is. The word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. There is an abundance of word in this house. I said there is an abundance of word in this house. The word is not rare. The word comes, the word goes. The word comes, the word goes. But have we become so familiar that when God says a word, it's a bit like the bus, there'll be another one along in a minute, that I'll just let that one pass me by because I couldn't be bothered. I wasn't in the right mood. The missus cheesed me off before I came. I'm already thinking about what time's my team on this afternoon because it's Sunday sport, it's Sunday special, it's the big game. My mind's not in the place when that word came. But let me give you a tiny warning. The tiny warning works like this. The days of victory are more dangerous to you than the days of trial. Said so the days of victory can be and will be more dangerous to you than the days of trial. Why? Because when you're in that victorious moment, when everything's going good, when I've faced our challenges... You know what you do? You take your foot off the gas, you stop paying attention, and something will blindside you. But when you're going for trial, and you feel like your back's against the wall, you do realize all senses are on heightened alert. Who's first? Who's getting it? Come on. Come on, have a go if you think you're mad enough. My dad's bigger than your dad. We're having it all. Coat's coming off. We're doing everything. Because we're ready for something. But when things start to change, and we start seeing the wheel rolling a bit easier, how easy it is to lose track of what God is saying and what God is doing. They will tell you, just excuse me ladies, they will tell you in a football scenario, you are never more at risk than when you have just scored a goal. If your team has just scored a goal, 
you are more likely to concede a goal than you was before. Why? Because we lose discipline. There's adrenaline going. We've all run up and kissed the fans. We've all put our shirts over our head. We've all had a moment. We've all danced through the old fairy bushes. We've all done something, and we're giddy. And in that moment, somebody then takes advantage and presses in. Because the days of victory can be more dangerous than our back's against the wall. I'm throwing my body in front of something. You're throwing your body in front of something. There's a last-ditch tackle. Everybody's working as a team. But when it's all going great, hey, I don't put the work in. I'm not putting the work in because we'll get through. And the scripture says this. Then the devil left him and waited for an opportune time. In this house, God is speaking and seeking. Not only is he speaking from here, the walls declare what God is saying. The word is declaring what God is saying. The spirit is declaring what God is saying. Am I hearing what's being said? Is that being built into me? Or is he just waiting for an opportune time when I just let me guard down when I can't be bothered? Now, again, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody else. Christmas came along. You've been working really hard all year. You've been pushing through. We've had building in the spirit. Authentic's been on. We've been on every Sunday. We've been giving it the big end. We're fighting for our families. We're building the wall. Anybody with me? So we're all getting there. Then Christmas comes. And all of a sudden, the 23rd of December, I'll just park up this for a bit and I'll bring it back in the start of January. And then I slept too long, I ate too much, I drank too much, I played too much, I didn't read too much, I didn't pray too much, I didn't fellowship too much. And then I wonder why when I get into January, I'm into 2017 and I'm kind of going, I feel a bit like I'm treading water. But I'm not talking to anybody in here. Because I know you were all here for midnight prayers and you had a watch service and you did everything you needed to do. I'm not talking to any of you guys. But how easy it is, even in two weeks, when you take your eye off the ball, how much you start to drift. And in that drifting, I need that continual still, small voice that will allow me to be corrected, to lay hold of what he's saying, and I'll move towards it. Can we have fun? Do we have fun? There is nothing wrong with fun. But they cannot be fun and me party like it's 1999 at the expense of everything else. If he's so dear to me, if it's building and he's talking and he's sharing and he's establishing, all of that must be the priority that's built into my life. Because I realize something. I'll say it for me because it won't be you. I realize this. I'm a better husband, a better father, a, be a better partner in my business. I'm a better person altogether when I've been in the presence of God than when I've not. Oh, thanks. I'm all right outside of that, but I'm better. I'm better inside of that. You know, because when I'm in that presence and you've cheesed me off, because you will cheese me off. And I'm sure somewhere in my life, I'll cheese you off. You're probably more prone to cheese me off than I am you. But in those moments where there's something that's stoning your shoe, the issue that's arising, the thing that just goes, it's building, and I'm smiling, I'm going, in a minute, I'm going to slap you. Oh, again, not talking about you. All of that that's building, how much dissipates when I find myself in his presence. 
When I find myself in the presence and I start praying that God will bless you rather than, you can find your own psalm, but I'll, tell, I'll give you a clue by saying it's psalms. But I love to, when I was younger, I prayed dirty Harry prayers. The dirty Harry prayers are, again, I'll just tell you it's psalms, so you can use yourself. Find this, because sometimes I still believe there's room for it. Lord, smash the teeth of my enemies. All right, you've never found dirty Harry prayers, have you? And I'd find that, you know, I'd be there feeling fully justified that, God, you can kick somebody's face in on my behalf. Lord, I'll sit here in all humility. I'll just spit that, Lord, because it's not for you. But you will vindicate me, Lord, by smashing their teeth out. And if I don't see him with a dentist bill in the next couple of months, Lord, I'm going to continue to pray and fast until we, he has had a moment. Then I found how much quicker things turned around because it seemed to be the only one who got his teeth kicked in. When I started to pray in a different way, to speak a blessing and ask the Lord be a hand upon him, how my situation, their situation changed. From being in his presence. The Holy Ghost retuning, redefining. And you'll say, Phil, I know you're only 35. But in all of this that goes on, why do you always have gold, smooth FM, 80s all-time greatest hits? Why is it all that on your radio stations? Because, do you know why? Simple. It's mellow. It's mellow, and it doesn't agitate me. It doesn't agitate me at all. Something's on the inside. It doesn't mean I even like it. It means it doesn't agitate me but then my nephew came to my house to do a job had my digital radio and then go straight through that norwegian thrash metal junk <laughs> not working it's not working and as you say i'm a bit old at 35 with me gold fm but i'm not having <laughs> having any of that because there is the frequency that relaxes me and is a frequency that responds to. You know what they tell you? Allegedly a scientific fact. Scientific fact like this. If you want to drive faster, change the music you listen to. So if you change the music you're listening to, you get more agitated. You've one foot starts getting a little bit heavier than it did before. But when you've got, you can meet me by railway. Still stay, we're not an Orient. Pass, pass, all right, it's all right. So I did it, did it, did road to road. I don't care how you get. It's all, all that, mellow, it's all mellow. But when it's all going, it's amazing, I'm taking the world on. There is a frequency that I respond to. Yes? So the question goes like this, as we said at the beginning. Jesus prays for the blind man, and he's happy to see men like trees walking. The issue is not, how does he know what a tree looks like with him being blind? Maybe he saw before, maybe he hadn't saw before. It didn't say he was blind from birth like it does to everybody else. So maybe he's had his sight. But the man is happy to see more than he's seen before. But Jesus said, you don't have to stay there. I can bring you to the place where you see and you hear with clarity. 
So the question, going back to my ransacked car, what or who is jamming or blocking your frequency? I asked a question right at the very beginning. Do you hear clearly? If not, why? Sometimes, again, it can be very practical things. A practical thing, again, thank you for being the wonderful illustration this morning, Ralph and Irene. If you surround yourself with wrong people, how negative you will become. The old proverb goes like this. If you lie down with dogs, you'll get fleas. If you spend your time with the wise, then you will become because we rub something off. So we ask the question, what, if anything, is blocking the frequency? What blocks the frequency that God's establishing in you? And is there something that blocks the frequency being established in us corporately? Because everything must respond to the frequency of the Holy Ghost. Go back to your childhood, go back to your old films of the 1960s, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. They'd come up on a camel, giving it the big one. They get to a mountain and the man says, open sesame. Now I used to think that was a great kind of Arabic word till I broke it down. Open, save me. Open sesame. In this open sesame, it responded to the frequency that was being projected. Yes? Everything in the house, every bone, every individual, if you belong to him, must respond to the same frequency when he speaks. Jesus, it says of the disciples, were amazed that the wind and the waves responded to him. He commanded, he said, even the elements respond. Because when the frequency is out, even creation must respond. You see, Jesus cursed the fig tree and it cursed and it died. Why? Because it must respond to the frequency. Oh, well, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Okay, let's come down a bracket. Elijah, it will not rain or there will be no dew by the power of my voice. God had declared something into him and he said what God was saying. And when he spoke and aligned himself to what God was saying, everything must line up. Jesus sends out the 12. Jesus sends out the 72. Now, we know about the 12, but the 72. Who are the 72? The 72. That's all they are. And he says, you have this command. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. They all come back and they go, it works. It works. We've not even had the training. We've not been on one of those three, three uh, crash course weekends that says, deliverance for dummies. We have not done how to change something. We've not been on a healing crusade. We've not had all of that. I've watched you, but what I've done is believe the word that you said to me. I took it and put it into action. And the word was, go, heal the sick, cast out demons. And they come back and God, blooming neck. This thing works. If you and I hear with clarity and move towards what God is saying, how much will change for you and I? Or am I back in the, did God say? Well, that's all right, because that only works for Pastor Tony. That only works for somebody if you've got a ministerial badge. That only works for, and there's already so many what-ifs that run through your mind. Is there anybody who's willing to admit the what-ifs run through your mind that go, he's talking to everybody else, but not to me? 
because everybody else is better than me. They know more than me. They're taller than me. They're shorter than me. They're thinner than me. They're faster than me. They know more. They've been, they've read. They've been in the prayer meeting. They were able to sing the song. He raised his hands. He didn't raise his hands. There's always a reason why somebody, it works for somebody and not for you. That clarity that comes enables you to be part of that body, which is being established and brought back into alignment. If you found yourself to be dull, negative, spiritually have swimmers here, looking through the fog, cynical to the things of God and the house, distant to someone or something, something is jamming your frequency. And if that someone is jamming your frequency, just so happens to be you, start with you and work out. It tells us in Malachi, it says, and the Lord will deal with the devourer on your behalf. And you go, yeah, but what, I'm, what about when I'm my own worst enemy? I have seasons when I'm not just yours, I'm my own worst enemy. Do you not have these moments where you go, I wish I could punch myself in the face. I wish I could send myself into another room and do without me. I wish I could send myself to Coventry. I've got to deal with me. I have to bring my life into order. I have to bring my life back into operation, into clarity in that first place. If it's a case of it's the cares of this world, so it tells us that when the man went out to sow a seed, some was in good place, thin soil, all that bit that goes down, read the parable of the sower, and it says this is reflected of the cares of life. If it is the cares of life, stop using it as an excuse and fix it. If you need to fix your finance, fix it. It might take you two years to get out of debt. Get out of debt. Find a strategy. If it's relationships, fix them and work to make them stronger. Whatever those cares are, you have to build it. You have to work it around. That thing about dissatisfaction. When I was younger, we used to sing a song. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And you will be reminded of what the Lord has done. I think there's so many of us who live without counting the blessings in life. We forgot what God has done to us and for us. We miss out. The blessings of the rich, uh, the blessings of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow. You've been at the train station when the announcement gets made. And you go, where am I going? The Holy Ghost does not deal with you or I through a platform announcement. When he speaks, we know. It says in 1 Corinthians, even in the case of lifeless things that make no sound, such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what to do unless there is a clear sound? Unless there's a clear sound, we don't understand. But again, the problem isn't with the source who's sending the sound. It's me and the way that that's filtered through me. It says in Matthew eleven sixteen, and with this we'll finish, it says, how do I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We have played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not moan or mourn, not moan, because we, we do a lot of moaning. We did not mourn. These two bits of being in the marketplace are polar opposites. Celebration or mourning and you don't understand either. Our lack of sensitivity has been that what I'm ever asking you to do, whether to celebrate or to mourn, you don't see it. But where is he asking it? My children are seated in the, not even in church. 
I'm saying when you're out there, you can't hear my voice. If you hear my voice with clarity, things are going to change. We don't have to listen with Chinese whispers. Did he say? Didn't he say? That clarity is built into you and I. Amen? For it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. A frequency was started to be established in you. It's your job, my job, on a daily basis to retune, realign, reaffirm, bring definition and clarity. Amen? That is my role. I must work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Pastor Tony touched on it last week. I must work out what he is working in. But that is for every single one of us. It's not the favorite. It's not how long you've been around. It's not how long you've been a Christian for. If I will seek him, then I will find him. And he will find me. And my father and me will make our home in you. Clarity is your portion. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet. If we can. We said at the beginning when we read from Ezekiel about bone coming to bone. It's time again to not only hear the word of the Lord, but to prophesy it, to take it, to declare it, to come to faith, and to to keep sowing it back. That prayer must be a declaration of strength and corporate unity in this house. That when God says something, we own it. It's not that Pastor Tony owns it or the leadership owns it. It's my word and he's speaking to me. That fruit has to be born in my life as well as corporately. Amen. A show of unity, a show of solidarity, a show of strength. 2017 is our year. 2017 is your year. It's a year of challenge. It's a year of opportunities. It's a year of sacrifice. It's a year of maybe doing some things where the Holy Ghost, chiropractor, reformation to be reformed, puts his hands on your life again and pulls some bits I don't want pulling. But it's for the corporate good so that this bone, when it's made right, fits correctly into the body where I'm called to be. That sound has to go out. So just as we bow our heads just this morning, I want to give you the opportunity straight from the beginning. We said that that frequency is set in our hearts of salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal savior this morning, we say that this opportunity of Christ wants to see you not only set free, he wants to see you established, he wants to bring you through to maturity, he wants to set you in family, he wants to set you in a house, he wants to show you your purpose, he wants to show that there is greater hope in your future. He wants to see your life transformed, that you will be an active part in his body, that you will not be an island, but you will come to find him and he will find you on all of the things of clarity of voice, clarity of hearing, if you will allow us and the men to put our hands on your life to mold you and develop you, you will be all that you can be in Christ. We are not talking about somebody who goes to church. We're not talking about somebody who goes and says, I'm a Christian, but will see lives discipled, that Christ is formed and established in your life. If that's you this morning, if that's you and you're saying, that's what I want, I'm looking for a life where I want Jesus Christ to be my own personal savior. I'm willing to stop where I was going and take the direction that he wants for my life. Then I'll just, if you can, while everybody's eyes are bowed, if you just put your hand up, if you put your hand up, give us any kind of indication this morning that we're talking to you, then what we'll do is we'll talk with you later. We'll walk you through some things. We'll show you. But that recognition is yours. The Holy Ghost is willing. He's reaching out. He's touching lives this morning. Give us some.